Yeah, that's that's uh, Memorial Arena in Warroad. It was torn down in 1993. And the thing I like to point out about that photo, uh, the ceiling was not painted white. That's frost. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That sounds like a perfect spot to watch a hockey game. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. All right, welcome to episode 20 of season three of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. Hello, everyone. Uh, Dustin will be joining us a little bit later, but right now we've got a special guest, Jess Myers, a hockey writer for the Rink Live and Inform News. Thanks for joining us, Jess. Good to be here. I heard uh, season three is the strongest season so far. Critics <laughs> said season two got a little weak in the middle episodes. Uh, that might be true. Um, oh, wait, maybe I'm thinking of Game of Thrones. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> This week, we'll chat with Jess about uh, outside perceptions of Michigan Tech and the CCHA in their first year of operations and preview this week's games with uh, Northern Michigan and St. Thomas. Will there be another mega sweep for Michigan Tech? You can't see my Uh, face. I don't know why I'm making faces. but uh, Uh, That's right. We got uh, a chance for a mega sweep again. Yeah, there also were a few nuggets from this morning's Joe Sean Hour, and uh, you guys asked a few questions, so we'll do those. Uh, anything I'm missing, guys? No, I think that that covers most of it. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll be back to chat with Jess Meyer. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at fibkedental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at livoniatech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A tech.net. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Uh, welcome back. Let's get right into things with Jess. One of our patrons, Bethlyn McCallum, wants to know where is the real hockey town and why is it Detroit? Oh my! Wow. There's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason they call her Meanie Girl. Clearly, <laughs> man. Oh man. Uh, so uh, the joke there. My hometown, Warroad, Minnesota, since the 1950s, has been known as Hockey Town, USA. 
apparently getting a whole bunch of Soviets and bringing them to a, you know, to, to a big city makes you a hockey town. I, I don't know how that works. So, so no, there's an ongoing dispute that, that uh, Detroit in the nineties tried to rip off the, the nickname hockey town, but you know, hey, we, we all know where the real one is. So that's fine. That is your background, right? That's the Warroad barn, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's uh, Memorial Arena in Warroad. It was torn down in 1993. And the thing I like to point out about that photo, uh, the ceiling was not painted white. That's frost. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, it sounds, that sounds like a perfect spot nice. to watch a hockey game. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They, they, if you look at that picture, um, yeah, no, there there was no there was no paint applied there. That was the breath of the uh, spectators that was coating the uh, ceiling by about February awesome. every year. Nice. For anyone that's not that's actually it. watching the YouTube video, it is very hard to tell that that is not a painted white ceiling and yeah. a painted white, even the back wall there as well. I think the back wall actually might have been painted, but I know <laughs> I know the roof was absolutely not painted. And that, <laughs> the they were playing awesome. Yzetta that night? They were playing Yzetta that night. That right. was, I think uh, I can read that. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, actually an afternoon game against Yzetta in about 1990, I want to say. So... As an outside observer, what what are your perceptions of Michigan Tech this year? We've kind of been laughing the last couple of weeks about the disparity between what the pairwise says and what the polls have been saying for the last month or so, I guess, more so because that's when pairwise starts being more relevant to the average person than everything. Um, I, I think they're getting harder and harder to ignore, if that's what you talk about in the polls, uh, you know, and the fact that and part of it is they caught Bemidji at the right time because the Beavers are, are reeling for whatever reason now, just, you know, having lost a couple to Ferris and now having gotten swept by Tech. But uh, I really like this Huskies team. You know, um, what Joe Sean has done and, and how little drop off there's been, what Brian Hallen is doing, you know, 15 goals now, it's just it's just fun to watch. So, uh, you know, I stories like that are fun. Uh, I. I got accused by Don Lucia once of being anti-gopher when he was coached the Gophers. And my line to, and my line to him was, you know, I'm not anti-gopher. I just want the best story. And I said, if you if you beat Michigan Tech for the 17th time in a row, who cares? But if Michigan Tech beats you, that's a better story, you know? So I don't I don't root for any one team or another, but you know, it's 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 fun to tell stories like that where where a team is defying expectations and and I really like these Huskies. Well, it it that kind of reminds me of the good old story of uh was it Sertich in a press conference against North Dakota where they I think they got crushed Friday night and and somebody asked him what he'd take away from the game and he said something about I stole something from the locker room or something. <laughs> 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 like you, like there isn't much to take away when you get pounded seven to one, right? And you just come back the next night and hope you can win two to one or something. And and uh, I think it's one of the weirder things about being a tech fan now and having been through those rough years is how much, like honestly, being a fan of of like when Mitch Mitch's Misfits was started back in 03, 04. Yep was a lot more fun than it is now because (laughs) my expectations are so much different that like, if they don't come out and play like they did this weekend, I'm pretty annoyed to some extent. Or like when, when they're the team that's getting beat by, or where St. Thomas is taking them to overtime. Like I was irritated as hell because I know how big a deal that is to pairwise to even go to overtime against St. Thomas, let alone, but thankfully they ended up winning, but like that doesn't mean a whole lot in pairwise, but like, uh, 
back when we would go to Madison or North Dakota, you know, you, everybody, all the, all the fans like loved us. Cause it was just like, Oh, Oh, that's so cute that you travel to watch your team lose. And then we'd find a way to win one game. <laughs> and it was like the best thing ever, especially Absolutely. going out to the Cole center and like pissing off all their fans and, and then going out on state street in your tech gear and doing the tech fight song, walking down state street. And those were all the good times. But I mean, I'd still have those same kind of fun times like this year. Um, going down there and sweeping the Badgers was fun, but like the the change in expectation certainly has a different feel for things. Um, and some of those road trips way back in the day when like, I mean, I used to get all my tickets from the team too because I don't even think most enough of the parents and family went to the game, so I got some from the team for free, so I didn't have to pay anything to go back in the day. Now I don't even try that. Um, and I don't usually want to do a press pass because I want to cheer and do that stuff. Uh, sometimes I will, depending on the building and everything. But like this coming weekend in St. Thomas, I can't do a press pass. I don't think there's I think between all the tech fans, there won't be any room to just sit down and watch and not be on in press row. And I don't even know how big the room is for presses there. Anyway, I've got a couple of buddies that are uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Jess. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, uh, St. Thomas plays in a pretty small rink to start with. It's got actual seating for, I think, about 800. And then with standing room and stuff, they can get around 1,000 in there. They have a little bit of a press box, not not a lot. But uh, it was funny. I went to see them play uh, Penn State this year. Uh, Penn State played like a Tuesday-Wednesday series with them. And uh, asking Guy Godowski at Penn State after the game, what would you, you think of playing in a rink this small? Again, he's like, hey, you know. Most of us started out in rinks this size. You know, if, if you coach in Atlantic hockey or, or, you know, Princeton doesn't have a very big arena or, you know, a lot of these Eastern programs. <laughs> Fair State. Yeah. Yeah. Fair <laughs> State. You know, Miami's old rink. Um, you know, uh, Rico yeah. Bozzi has talked about, you know, what St. Thomas has now is a lot nicer than what Miami had when he got there. So, you know, there, there have been a lot of humble beginnings in a lot of these programs and, and, um, uh, that's kind of where St. Thomas is right now, but you know the the rumor persists that they're going to build something, uh, maybe maybe four or five thousand seats or something like that, which I, I think would be about right for that program. Have yeah, I can't imagine being in the Twin Cities that they won't uh, build somewhere. The, the demand will be there in a few years, without doubt. Especially if they can provide a cheaper alternative to the Gophers, right? I mean, there's there's no yeah. doubt there that the the Gophers have kind of priced a lot of their regular fans out of the arena at this point. Yeah, and the way that the, that St. Thomas seems to be building up reminds me a lot of the Lions. As much as I am a Lions fan, like this, this is the year where they're they're going to be struggling. They're not going to be winning much, but you can kind of see the the hints of that culture that's being like instilled there. Because even though St. Thomas is a team that most team with any semblance of national recognition should be able to dispatch, um, they're still showing a lot of fight and drive, and that's why they're able to. They, they were able to get a couple wins against Ferris. Everyone expected them to not get any wins. They've, they forced Tag to overtime. They've been competitive in a lot of the games that they didn't win. Like it, they're, the, the whispers of what the culture will be are there. And being in the Twin Cities, I imagine it's only a matter of time before they're making some noise. Hopefully it takes longer than that, but yeah, <laughs> at least, yes, at least, at least within conference, I guess I'm fine with them, uh, you know, going six and oh non-conference or something. <laughs> I agree. And, and somewhat off topic, I've got a couple buddies that are headed to the game at St. Thomas. And I was like, I don't really want to go there. Like I've, I, I grew up in like playing hockey in West Michigan. I've seen Ferris enough. I know what a small rink looks like, like I'll just stay home and work. And 
I had a buddy that looked me dead in the eyes and it was just like, I do not care where they're playing or what town it is. This is a new team and we need to send them a message that nobody <laughs> out cheers Michigan Tech anywhere. No. And I was like, you know, if anyone was going to convince me, it was going to be that, but I'm still just going to stay home. <laughs> I watched Mitch's, Mitch's Misfits uh, take over the deck one night when I was there in, in the late late 2000s. So, uh, you know, it, it's fun when you get a group, group like that. And and that was always a trip that it seemed like the, the Huskies fans could make being, you know, about four and a half hours or so uh, uh, across the across the way from the you know on the same lakeshore. I always said, why why not just take a boat? It'd be easier than <laughs> you know having to go through Ashland and all those little towns. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a trip that's unfortunate. It doesn't happen as much as it used to. Being now the leagues are separated, it sucks having one of those closer geographic teams to you be a team you don't get to play four times a year. Well, I got to say, too, I went to Minnesota Duluth a long time ago, you know, more than 30 years ago now, which is just crazy to think about. But my first trip to Houghton was for a winter carnival game, the afternoon game on a Saturday, you know, left Duluth in the morning and clear skies. And of course, by the time you get to about Wakefield, the snow has started. (laughs) And and a wall of what what is what does Rube call it? The wall of shit. And, you know, by the time you get past Bruce's Crossing, the snowbanks are so high that, you you know, you're, you're basically driving in a trench by that point. And, yeah, and but but got to Houghton and saw a good hockey game and saw the snow sculptures. And, you know, what, what a neat, you know, first first experience at Michigan Tech Hockey. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that that trip over to Duluth is what I remember as a little kid because we used to go for that. And my parents would take us and I, I, I am still not fond of heights and playing in the old rink. Uh, over there with the steep seats was absolutely terrifying to me sitting up there as a kid like i was just petrified <laughs> of the upper deck there but we got to see the maroon loon so it was cool <laughs> see, I, lo- I love a steep pitch which is why i'm such a big fan of the mac like i know you can't you can't build them like that anymore but i just I've just always loved that the feeling of if I'm going to trip in the upper bowl, like I'm going to fall onto the ice. Like, I just think it's a great view of the game. The McGinnis's pitch is nothing compared to the upper deck of the oh, deck. I'm, the I'm deck sure. Like, yeah. The upper deck of the deck is like, if I fall, I will die and I yeah. will fall onto the ice basically. It oh, yeah, I see good the if you trip yeah. going, if you trip going down those stairs, you will be playing right wing within a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, put your skates on while you fall. <laughs> I love no, that. It, it, it's funny you mentioned the maroon loon. For people who don't know, this was a a bulldogs mascot in the 1980s, and it was I, I know the guy. His name's Brian. He would dress up as a loon, you know, painted maroon, and loon, of course, being the symbol of Minnesota. Well, then you know that. So that was their mascot, and then then they decided they needed a junior loon so there was like a little kid in a loon outfit and then then they decided they also needed an actual bulldog mascot so they got champ the bulldog and then they got the lady bulldog and i'm like at one point there would be four mascots out on the ice and then i'm at the student newspaper i got into this spat with with like the band or something like that and the guy who dressed up as champ the bulldog goes after me like in the student newspaper <laughs> And my only response was, how does it feel to be the second string mascot for your team? Not, not even a good enough mascot to be number one on, in the pecking order. Uh, oh, well, Lulu, he traveled too. I, I, I am almost positive. I remember him being at Tech and on the ice of the McGinnis at times too. Well, and keep I, in mind, might... the Tech band used to go to the final five, whether the Huskies were there or not. So, you know, stranger <laughs> right. things have happened. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember him coming over and kind of like doing like the little stuff on the ice. And this may be just me not remembering things right as a small child, but you know, it, it, uh, he, he was at Tech, I'm pretty sure. And he was such a unique mascot. It had nothing to do with the team. And we were, we were very confused as it is kids. Right, right. <laughs> Why is there a bird involved here? <laughs> Aren't they a dog? North Dakota for a time, like in the late, early 90s, I want to say. You know, even back then, being called the Fighting Sioux, they were woke enough to know that we can't have someone dressed up in war paint. And, and you know, they were even they there, they were more culturally sensitive than that. So for a little while in the I want to say the early 90s, North Dakota actually had like a gorilla mascot who would wear like a North Dakota jersey and <laughs> run around the ring. That. Yeah. <laughs> and uh. so so I had I got into this on Twitter with a North Dakota fan. Because they said, well, we've never had a mascot, never will. I'm like, no, you had a gorilla for a while. And the guy said, (laughs) this guy says to me on Twitter, well, I didn't I didn't really think of him as a mascot. I'm like, what did you think of him as like a primate expert? (laughs) (laughs) We we all know what he's getting at. We never uh, we never had a mascot that was a Native American. Right. But yeah, you know, still worth the worth the jab when you can take one at a North Dakota fan. Always and 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 I and it was crazy. I found an overly sensitive North Dakota fan. Who knew? (laughs) Oh, you must have found the only one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew he was out there? Speaking of overly sensitive, oh, here we go. We broke some news last week about uh, Mel Pearson and what was going on with the GLI, and uh, we've had some fun with all of the overly sensitive backlash from some Michigan fans about it. Although most of them that uh, that we got into Twitter arguments with or whatever have you were actually people that were like directed to our tweet, right? I think, Matt, that, that one guy was like told to read our thing, right? And then he was like, I don't Pretty understand much. what the big deal is. This loser did an uh, FOIA on uh, on stuff. And I don't know why tech hockey guide even cares other than their butt hurt. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It's um, almost like I, we honestly, care about like that might have been the most fun i've had at tech hockey guide since joe sean was hired just from the like because we had so much fun during the coaching search and i think matt you've probably had some fun with some of your articles about bashing like the pep band can't be at the gli and um michigan canceling their game in the first place and then uh what was the other one that you had that was a big story last year um, I, I wrote the open letter about how Michigan and, and, uh, Michigan state fans don't show up for GLI. And I think that's shameful in a tournament okay. for national prom or and for statewide bragging rights anyway. Yeah. And it's, I've laughed so hard because it's literally been what, four days since we wrote this article and it's already like the most popular article we've written outside of the coaching search <laughs> when yeah. the show was hired. That's so writing those high traffic were- articles are always way fun. You were supposed to have Mel Pearson on the podcast. Was that set up before this came out? No, it, it was it was right around New Year's. It was, you know, uh, I think it was before the it, it was after they had canceled, but maybe before the, the actual GLI games had been played. I, and I okay. can't remember the exact timeline. I know Mel Pearson very well. I'm sure you guys all, you know, from his time at Tech, you know, it's a, it's a small town, a small school. I mean, you, you get to know these people. I've, I've always uh, liked, I've always admired Mel Pearson. So in the midst of all this, I sent him a text and said, hey, you know me, you know Mick Hatton, my co-host on the Rink Live podcast, you know, we'll be fair. But come on, come on our podcast. We'll talk about GLI for five minutes, and then we can talk about your team this year. We can talk about your rivalry with the Gophers, all of that. 
But just to give him a chance to say, okay, here's what happened. Here's my story. Initially, um, he, he said that would be a good idea. And then I think I'm going to guess that the, the administration maybe said, you know what, not a good idea to go on a podcast and talk about this. And he declined to be on with us. And, and that's fine. I, I was disappointed because, again, you know, it would have been a chance for 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 him to to tell his side of things. Um, like you, I, I was maybe a little shocked when I when I read the, the story that you guys ran last week. And, you know, obviously disappointed to, to find out that going back, you know, a long time, this wasn't just a, a spur of the moment decision, but going back a long time, there was there was talk, at least internally at Michigan, about canceling these games. Um, because I guess my thing here is that, you know, World Juniors is not a new thing. They do it every year. Um, nor is GLI. Yeah, nor, nor, nor is the GLI. <laughs> Been you know, there for over a half century. 60 years or whatever it is, yeah. Um, you know, so... I guess I don't know why this year would be so different in the eyes of folks like Mel Pearson, other than the fact that, let's face it, the expectations are maybe as high as they've ever been for for a Michigan hockey team uh, with that collection of talent they've got. I mean, there's there's an idea that, you know, this is a team that that can and, and maybe should win a national title with all of the, those fantastic individuals. So maybe it's just a, a matter of feeling some pressure and saying, Hey, we don't want to, we don't want to play games with a reduced lineup. Now the, the irony is then, then the Olympic decision is made and all these top end players are going off to, to play in China. And, you know, the Gophers for the next three weeks, will have three of their top players gone. Well, well, they play three series. And I think Michigan has two series with, with, you know, three or four of their better players gone. St. Cloud State is losing its coach. Minnesota State Mankato is losing its coach. And and both teams are losing a couple good players. So everything has kind of been thrown into a wrench here for the next uh, three weeks as we await the Olympics. Yeah, that definitely adds a layer to this when you're talking about wanting to know why, because a lot of it, you know, and a lot of it, I think, does stem from the fact that I think um, – Don Lucia mentioned on our podcast that the Big Ten has reached out asking um, like what what each conference's rules were on minimum players to play because the Big Ten really didn't have written rules at the time about minimums. And I think they were just kind of feeling things out after the Michigan, Western Michigan thing went down to kind of know what they should be doing or where the rest of the conferences are with that because – as the Big Ten, you know, they I'm sure hockey things sometimes get overlooked for specific rules like that. So that was kind of an interesting thing to see that that they were reaching out at the same time trying to figure out because going forward the rest of the way, and now you had the Olympics uh, and the players being missed for that about, you know, at what point is Michigan going to be able to play a game if they have a COVID outbreak? Like how depleted can they be? Yep. And And I know... Uh, from, from my perspective, it's just, I know we've talked about it. It was so real. It was so nice to see it in plain words, exactly what I thought the truth was that Mel wanted nothing to do with this tournament. Cause he doesn't want to play a game missing players. Yep. And like you said, the perception is pretty sky high for this team, but you look at the roster that did play against tech. And I think it had what four or five draft picks. A full roster minus the extra skater. And and you look at it and go, why can't you play two games? Like, yep. it's not that big a deal. And and as I think other people have stated, you know, okay, why didn't you just push the Western game back a day? 
and play take a day off in between or whatever and i heard somebody say something about how michigan only skated 11 players in practice the following day or whatever and it's like well that's practice you can do whatever you want but i think matt you looked it up on instat it wasn't like there were a couple players that only played six seven minutes or anything i think the lowest minutes was like 13 minutes for one of the forwards so it's yep they were pretty much running four lines yeah so it's not like there was a line of players who were playing injured and only played 10 minutes or eight minutes or something uh, it just doesn't make sense to me that uh the they weren't as short-handed they they like what and i don't understand if i was one of those 18 players i don't know how i would be happy with my coach for wanting to skip a game, skip a game. Yeah, there's that. And for me, I think my biggest problem with the entire situation is it's an integrity of the game question. Like it calls into question, should you have to play the games that you've scheduled? Well, look at, look at Minnesota. Yeah. They went into Marquette and played with a whole bunch of backups and didn't have a good time. Exactly, but that's because they what thought they had to. Power? Apparently, that's that might not be the case. Apparently, you know, that's my bigger problem here is that this is a huge loophole that can be exposed at will if it's not closed by the NCAA. Like, it's an integrity of the game question to me. Like, I'm happy we have the smoking gun that, like, Mel wanted nothing to do with this and that something like this was on the horizon and that he was, um, you know, speaking out of his ass when he said it was out of his hands when clearly he he wanted it to be canceled like all of that is great i think it was fantastic probably the foia but the whole uh the whole point for me is that i just feel like it calls into question like should teams have to play games that they've had on their schedule for you know the better part of a year and i think the answer if you have a full roster is yes and that's not exactly how things are written right now. So I hope that loophole gets closed is my biggest hope out of the situation. I was, I was really stung by, and, and this doesn't have to do with Michigan or Michigan tech or any of that, but, uh, but I was really stung by a, a, a tweet I saw um, right around, uh, right after the holidays, the Gophers were playing St. Thomas in an exhibition game. Uh, they played it at Doug Woog arena in South St. Paul, just kind of a, you know, a friendly basically didn't, none of the stats counted, Gophers played at the time their backup goalie. He's now their starting goalie because their their starting goalie signed with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, you know, and it wound up. I think the Gophers won like five to two or something like that. They had a good crowd in there. It was just a fun time. And somebody on Twitter said to me, "Why would they even play this game? Nobody has anything to gain from it. You know, you're risking injury. Why would you do this?" And I thought, "What's the whole point of college hockey if we're not going to play games?" <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, this this perception that we should only play a game when the when the conditions are perfect. No, yeah. I mean, this is this yeah. is this is how life works. Injuries happen. You know, guy, guys leave school. I mean, you know, and I'm sure looking back, uh, the coach is very happy you played that game. So your backup got some minutes before he Absolutely. got thrown into the fire of being the starter now. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, nobody nobody saw that coming. I don't think. Um until Jason Mazzotti showed up at Michigan state and said, Hey, uh, Jack, can we talk to you for a minute? (laughs) (laughs) Which which was just such a weird situation. Uh, You know, Bob Motzko for the Gopher fans out there, Bob Motzko said it best last week. He said, you know, we've had some turbulence in January and and we're looking to kind of smooth things out now. And uh, (laughs) yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, see Michigan, Michigan's Twitter account with their next man up thing that they showed like literally, oh my literally God. the same week or the same day. No, it was literally the same know, day. Was, it was like within, yeah, it was within like a then, half hour of them releasing that the game with Western Michigan wasn't happening. Yeah, the U, the Michigan up, these guys will take off. Twitter Just, account posted next man up while the guys are at World Juniors. And it was and like, speaking but, not, of Twitter, but not twice, guys, not twice, only one game. Speaking of Twitter, uh, credit to Brad Schlossman, my co-worker from the Rink Live and with the Grand Force Herald. Uh, so for the Michigan Tech game, uh, Michigan tweets out a photo of their white sweaters that they're wearing, you know, and, and it's home whites tonight or something like that. And Brad responded to it and said, white jerseys tonight, white flag tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah, that was a great one. <laughs> oh, we all had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, he was good with yeah. that. Um yeah, it's it's just been a crazy ride here since that happened, and then you know. Well, our... and then you know, obviously the big story. You know, the, I I would say the bigger story in the grand scheme of things was that, that came out the M Live story uh, over the weekend that there's you know an ongoing investigation into some pretty serious stuff that is alleged to have happened within the Michigan program. And again, I want to make it clear, you know, uh, uh, this is not a Mel Pearson witch hunt, at least not on my part. I mean, uh, Mel Pearson has been a friend of mine. I sat in his office up in Houghton and interviewed him about Daniel Sova, you know, not not too many years ago, it seems like, um, you know, always been uh, involved with kind of the governance of college hockey, you know, always been more than just a coach. He's always been on, you know, the NCAA boards and things like that. So, you know, he's, he's been a real servant to this game. And, you know, a, a lot of us have, have generally wished him well. Um, but this has been, uh, this has been a tough situation and, you know, it could turn out to be one of those situations that costs a guy his job. Uh, when, when you read some of the allegations and if that stuff turns out to be true, you know, this is obviously a very serious thing. And, and in college athletics today, um, they don't mess around with this stuff. You know, we've, we've seen, seen too many places, you know, Michigan state gymnastics or, you know, Ohio state or Penn state where they've tried to kind of sweep things under the rug. And then it's, you know, turned out to be a, a much bigger deal in the long run. So, I would think that the University of Michigan will take this pretty seriously if there's any truth at all to, to some of the stuff that's alleged. But they're doing their dil- diligence and they're they're looking into it and, and we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, I do think it's important to remember that with our GLI um, expose, if you will, that uh, with those allegations that came out in the MLive article, we're kind of swimming in the shallow end of um, <laughs> Mel Pearson garbage right now. Like there's, there's some pretty serious stuff that goes on. And right now... Uh, Mel seems to think that it's uh, it's just things that are being alleged by a disgruntled employee that didn't happen. And I think they're going to brush off pretty quickly, but it sounds like Michigan is taking it pretty seriously. So I guess we will see in due time if that's the fact. Was it, was it the president of the university that just lost his job at Michigan because of an investigation? Or? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, again, um, <laughs> hey, I cover the University of Minnesota. They're investigating, you know, incidents that happened with an assistant coach you know, almost 40 years ago, uh, a story that came out in the athletic, uh, you know, maybe two years ago about, you know, an assistant coach that they had for one season in the 1980s who uh, allegedly, you know, did some, (laughs) it did some improprieties with players. I mean, a terrible story. And you think about, I'm I'm sure it's terrible, but I'm laughing because you corrected my mind when, when you said 40 years ago and I'm thinking the 1960s, why? No, no, no. (laughs) Jim, you see this quarter? It used to be a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So, so, you know, my point is nothing gets swept under the rug anymore. You know, there, there's no more, Hey, boys will be boys and let's move on. You know, this, this stuff gets taken very seriously. And, and um, like anyone, I'm, I'm eager to see uh, what comes out of this, uh, this mess in Ann Arbor, because again, you know, this is one of the best hockey teams I've seen this year. The two games they played with Minnesota two weeks ago were two, the two best hockey games I've seen this year. Um, they're very good, you know. What did, so, so that I was at the Saturday night game. I saw you and could not process who you were with masks on fast enough, and <laughs> you were halfway around the concourse by the time I was like, "Oh, it's that's Jess. That's who it is." Oh, I don't move that fast. You must have been thought oh, it was it somebody else. It took me a while. Trust me. <laughs> but I watched that game. Your, now, your, your thought was, "Wait, that's Jess. Oh no, that can't be him. He looks a lot heavier in person." Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but. I remember watching that game and not feeling like Minnesota controlled play nearly as much as the shots said, Yeah, which I found odd considering how good Michigan is supposed to be that they didn't get more shots for the, for the lack of Minnesota zone control in that game. And now granted, I'm going to admit that uh, at least, uh, you know, half of the second and half of the third period, I was watching my phone because I was watching football because I only went to the game to hang out with friends uh, who were in town. Uh, but, you know, the first period, like the first period to me was kind of like, where's all this talent Michigan supposed to have? And then suddenly they score twice on like three, three rushes. And it's like, oh, there it is. And it was like all six guys involved were guys who are at world juniors or, or expected to be really good. And suddenly it's, you know, a two, one game instead of one, nothing Minnesota. And, and you could see the talent because those plays were tic-tac-toe and yep. beautiful couple goals, but it did not feel as lopsided as the score, like the shot chart said. No, that was an interesting case where, you know, you lose four to one at home. Um, you outshoot a team by a wide margin. Bob Motzko after that game said, you know, I don't say this very often, but we played a great hockey game tonight. He was very happy with the effort his team put in. He said, we made three mistakes and Michigan scored on our three mistakes. And that was the game. So that's, that's just what this Michigan team is right now. And they've got a great goalie in Eric Portillo. And, and well, let me, let me rephrase that. They've got a good goalie in Eric Portillo who happens to be six, six and just takes up most of the net. I mean, (laughs) the the guy's a monster. Um, so, you know, what he doesn't have in talent, he makes up for in size and and it just works for them. So again, just what a weird situation, because, you know, you look at, you know, you talk about the disparity between Michigan's Michigan tech's place in the pairwise and their place in the polls. Look at the disparity between Michigan's, you know, same deal. Uh, Michigan is far away. Number one in the pairwise right now. And you've got some poll voters who say, I am not going to vote for that team. Number one. After the after the GLI thing, you know, they just there's this idea, I think, out there among some poll voters and full disclosure, I don't vote in any of the polls. Um, but I think there's this idea among some poll voters that, you know, Michigan doesn't deserve my number one vote uh, if if they're ducking games or at least that, that's the perception of some people. I have zero problem with that because it wasn't a game against nobody. It was a game against Western. Yep. And I know a lot of the a lot of the people that have complained about us writing that story have all been like coming back with, well, your team couldn't even beat them when they were depleted, blah, 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 you know, and then why would they rather play tech or whatever? And I'm convinced of one of two reasons that the tech game is the game that didn't get canceled. One, it was about money and they had more tickets sold to the tech game. 
and they weren't going to cancel both games, so they picked the game with more tickets. Or two, it's about the GLI relationship and the athletic director at Michigan was like, we cannot cancel a game on Michigan Tech. They are our partner in this tournament. We have to cancel the game against the guest, the fourth team. We can't do it to one of the co-hosts of this tournament. I don't know which is true or if either of them are true, but that's my that's my feelings versus them specifically dodging Western Michigan. Mel didn't want to play either game. So I think those are the reasons that they chose to still play Tech, most likely being that we have a relationship with them with the GLI and we can't cancel it on the co-host. I don't know what the truth is, but that's what it's, I've thought from the beginning. It's, it's interesting thinking about the GLI because again, you know, I'm old, so I've seen a lot of these games over the years, but uh, um, you know, going back 15 years or so to a time before Mel Pearson was there when Michigan tech was not very competitive. Uh, and, that's that's and, nice of you. And, 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 you know, and, <laughs> No, I'm saying like that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, considering I've been to the GLI twice and I've never seen them win. I got to chant we are number four twice though. God bless Jamie Russell, wherever you are. You know, hey, you know, but but there were some years there where, you know, wins were hard to come by for the Huskies. Um one of the more interesting things I ever say, let's 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 be nice and say interesting. Uh the Ann Arbor News, which no longer exists, <laughs> their college hockey writer wrote a piece saying that it was time to politely ask Michigan Tech not to play in the GLI anymore. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know if this writer didn't know that that the GLI was actually founded by Michigan Tech or not, <laughs> but it was just, uh, you know, in retrospect, such a, such a ridiculous idea. And, and I'm sorry, Maize and Blue fans, but such a Michigan idea, you know, this, this <laughs> yeah. perception that... This perception that, you know, we're the Wolverines, it's it's beneath us to play the Huskies, you know, th this idea. And and granted, it's coming from one writer. I'm not saying anybody who wears maize and blue said that other than than one guy's opinion. But but I, I always think of that when when you see, you know, what Mel Pearson did winning, winning the GLI for the first time since 1981, when when he got this for the first time since he was a player for the Huskies. Um, and, and, you know, that's got to be just a great scene when you get a couple thousand tech fans coming into Joe Lewis arena or now to little Caesars arena. Uh, and you know, all the tech alumni that are in the Detroit area, that's gotta be a lot of fun. So to me, that's what makes college hockey great. It's and, and if the game is, you know, it's five to one, who cares? I mean, just go have fun and play. Yeah. yeah I mean, my perception of the GLI, like they, what tech finished fourth, three, six, nine out of 11 years. Almost winning once in the middle there, losing in overtime to Michigan. I remember watching that game very, very much. But um, I'm sure it was during that era when it happened, when we we just could not find a way to win a game. But but now you've got Michigan and Michigan State having played it like what three three straight. They played in three straight third place games not too long ago. Yep. Like, and I know. Um, Suzanne was on earlier this year talking about how much the teams Michigan and Michigan State don't like playing that very early game for the third place game to make to make it work with Little Caesars Arena and she was trying to be very polite but basically I think the gist of what she was saying was well then don't play in the third place game yeah <laughs> then 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 win the day before there's, yeah there's, there's an easy way to fix that 
Yeah, not easy, but there's a pretty straightforward. You're you're not forced to play in that game. You earn your spot in that game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I I found that interesting. Um, Yeah. And and every time I've gone, and I think the perception, Matt, you've gone many times, is Michigan and Michigan State fans just don't seem to care about this tournament much anymore. Like they've got their. When did uh, the duel in the D start? That's a good Uh, question. I don't know. I want to say it was, I want to say it was during my time at Tech and I started in 2014. So I think that's had a lot more. to do with it because they're not the it only game. It makes you wonder if that, that takes away the, we're playing at the Red Wings arena and it does, it does it's a separate a event. Fact. So they don't have to care so much about GLI. I've, I've talked to some, well, like the big thing for, and the, the number one thing that Michigan and Michigan State fans will deflect to is that they have this thing called out-of-state students, and that's why they don't go to GLI. Like, Tech doesn't have the same problem, and they don't have kids coming in to watch that, and alums coming in to watch it. But because yeah, Tech's um, not how far from Detroit or Yeah, anything. the farthest school away is the one, you know, carrying attendance in, in recent years. That hasn't always been the case, especially in the down years, but in recent years, been carrying the attendance. Yeah, And to me, it's just wild to see like the children of Yost being plastered all over the place is one of the best student sections of college hockey, but they won't go to a, what I consider to be a major event that's been going on for more than a half century. That's in their own backyard. They won't show up to it. Yeah. I Cause it's not like get that. I, I don't get it. I really don't. And then I Which don't is... understand. Like, I guess I understand that their schools have bowl games going on usually one of the two teams is playing around the time of the gli i get that but like so what pick your pick your poison go go to the go to the hockey game and watch the football game on your phone during intermissions i did this last week like it's not that hard do you know how slow football is i got to watch a lot of the second and third period on a student on a student budget admittedly the student budget of a michigan kid might be larger due to daddy's money (laughs) <laughs> but on a student budget, what it's, are you going to do? It costs a lot of money to go to Michigan. That's expensive school. But, but the fact true. that mommy and daddy can afford it, it might help. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you have some that. spending there's, money, but yeah. There's that. But, but I th- I'm, how, I'm how pretty sure Michigan is Tech believe. is the second most expensive public school in the state now, isn't it? Well, Behind Michigan? Um, do you believe? I, I think in, in some years we overtake them. But yeah. um, wow. Anyway, so I just find it hard to believe that that many kids are going to fly to whichever bowl game they have. Like I'm, I'm sure that it's a, it's a not insignificant number, but that that it's enough to affect GLI attendance that much. And this one guy on Twitter who replied to me, or or that's that replied to the Tech Hockey Guy an article about Mel Pearson, he said something to the. Actually, it is. It, it's right here. It says Michigan is the only reason GLI can sell tickets. Nobody wants to watch MTU. And uh, that's just that's just laughably false. Like if you yeah. if you watch like the tournament highlights from when uh, Tech won in 2019, admittedly the Red Wings were at a rough time, but that building was louder than the average Red Wings game at the time when Tech would score. Yeah. Well, and I think part of the problem you always have with perception versus reality of the GLI is it's one ticket for both games that day, so a lot of fans only show up for their game. So if you're not playing Michigan, the Michigan fans aren't there yet. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you don't see the Michigan fans because they're not coming to the Tech-Michigan State game or vice versa. Um, 
Whereas usually if I'm in, cause I, I flew in or drove all the way over around Lake Michigan to go, uh, I went to all the games, but some of that also is back then. I just wanted to watch good hockey. And usually the other game was probably more interesting <laughs> than the tech game. Fair enough. I'll never, Fair. I'll never understand that. I mean, we've gotten to travel to regionals three times in the last 10 years, right? And that's a, that's a treat for us as tech fans that that hasn't happened in my lifetime until the last 10 years. I'll yeah. never understand traveling to an NCAA regional and not going to all the games and watching the hockey. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. you see folks that just come in for their game of, of a regional too. I, it, it blows my mind that you travel that far on that much of a whim and then skip one of the games for the day. What the I hell? I, I, it's like I throwing half the, money in the garbage. I skipped the rest of the games in Fargo. I couldn't handle well, it. Well, we made a lot of money on the Fargo games, to be fair, by selling them to North, our tickets to North Dakota fans. That's my only exception to was, that rule. Was Fargo the uh, the St. Cloud State game that went yes. to overtime? Yeah, God, was that a great hockey game? <laughs> and, and, I don't and really want no, to hear you know, that. No, I'm and I'm not. I'm not. No commentary yeah. on the end result. Yeah, I just remember that overtime. It was like, it, you know, it was five on five overtime, but it felt like a three on three because it seemed like there was an odd man rush about every twenty seconds, just yeah. back and forth and crazy saves. And man, oh man, yeah. And, well, and the atmosphere was starting to pick up because the North Dakota fans were starting to shuffle in too. So. Sure. You had neutral fans that were getting excited for just fast hockey being played. Yeah, that game was – the game combined the excitement of us being in the tournament for the first time in a long, long time. Yeah, right? 1981. And with, uh, with a really good game going into overtime, the, the North Dakota fans, you know, feeding the atmosphere there. It was – that was a fun event. It was a fun event. I just wish wish the can had not been called for a coincidental minor in the end of the regulation. Overtime shouldn't have happened. uh, One more step. I'm guessing the North Dakota fans were on the Husky side, the tech side, right? It was both both teams for the Huskies. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. That was that was one of the weird. I mean, you talk about just the weirdness in college hockey. That was one of the weirdest things for me. Uh, 2011, when Minnesota Duluth won its first national title, beat Michigan in the championship game. Uh, at XL Energy Center, and all these Gopher fans are cheering their guts out for the Bulldogs. It's like, <laughs> but the Bulldogs hate you. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> but I suppose yeah. you know, home state, little brother, you know, whatever. Anyway, well, we got we got the reaction that we're tailgating out in front of Fargo there, and we had tech flags up and stuff like that. And a bunch of North Dakota fans keep popping up like, you guys traveled all the way here? I'm like, of all the fan bases to accuse people of traveling too far for a hockey game, how how is North Dakota even commenting on yeah, this? I almost you guys wore have my, a fan at every game. Yeah, I almost wore my North Dakota jersey to the, the Gopher Michigan game. And I was like, nah, there'll be an actual Sioux fan there. I don't need to do this. And lo and behold, there was. I found one. Yeah. This picture with them—that's the game. No, this is this is a running joke I have, you know, because I I travel with the Gophers uh, to wherever they go, and I mean, I'll be at a Gophers Penn State game in State College, Pennsylvania, and there's some Reuben in North Dakota jersey (laughs) because they're everywhere. They are. Oh yeah, we can find the Sioux fan in my friend group. Where if you find (laughs) the has it has to say Sioux, but if you find the guy in the Sioux, like if it says North Dakota, it doesn't count. But if you find the guy in the Sioux jersey, you take a picture with them and send it to the group chat then you won the game <laughs> good to know good to know yeah they, yeah they travel they travel respectably well well and you, you talk <laughs> about you talk about tech fans at the gli or you know and and god bless them for turning out in the numbers that they always have 
Um, I hope we can get back to a, a normal GLI next year and, and play it in Detroit. And, you know, cause that's, that's, you know, been the tradition for years and years, but you do see, you know, and, and it's easy to joke about North Dakota fans, but I don't think the NCHC would have a neutral site tournament at the end of the season if it weren't for North Dakota fans, because no. they show up in big numbers yeah. and they yeah. spend money. And if they, and, well, if they find a way to consistently not make it there, that's going to be an interesting situation because yep. eventually they're going to stop buying tickets to go a, a, a percentage of them anyway. So we talked a little bit about the tech polls versus pairwise and, and, and your outside perception. How do you feel as an outsider, as far as the CCHA launch this year and the conference? Well, it's interesting because I'm like a lot of journalists, I think, and, and folks who have done interviews, I've slipped up and called them the WCHA at least four or five times. Um, it just <laughs> sure. doesn't seem that different to me. You know, yeah, Fairbanks is playing as an independent and, and Huntsville's not there and Anchorage is supposedly reviving, but they're, they're not part of it. But I mean, you know, it's, it's so many of the same rivalries that we had before. Um, the fact that Minnesota State Mankato is dominating is nothing that we haven't seen before. Um, you know, it seems like, uh, we keep waiting for Northern to make their move. Uh, Lake State hasn't been able to duplicate what they did last year, although that was kind of a neat story last year to see Lake State kind of kind of get back in the tournament and, and kind of revive things there. But uh, you know, I just think top to bottom, it's a it's a good conference. You know, maybe not a great conference, but the fact that I think you have maybe the best team in the country, Minnesota State Mankato, gives you instant credibility. Um, I like that they gave St. Thomas a home right away. Um, some people have questioned whether it was wise for St. Thomas to hop right into a, a conference that strong in their first season. And they're obviously taking their lumps on the ice, but I think we talked about it a little bit. I think the Tommies are going to be a, a very competitive program in not very long. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think the CCHA is a, is a great conference. Yeah, I, I can, I can see, I mean, I think we had our intro say WCHA for half of the this season of the podcast before we finally got it fixed and and all the different <laughs> places that it said WCHA on the like the podcast information page and all that kind of stuff but like you know I just see the difference as far as like the quality of the refs the quality of the streams like watching the GLI this year just gave me so much more respect and pride in the CCHA of, because of what I've seen in in our production throughout the conference versus what we got at Michigan and Michigan state of all places. It just felt sure. like we were such an, the hockey was such an afterthought in those buildings. And it was like, I don't understand. I would, I would expect the people doing the production work at those schools to have more pride in what they're doing to like, like uh, when we played, was it Michigan state was the second day, Matt? Oh uh, yes. And, and we had a power play and, yeah. and they had like the Western graphic up yet for the power play. Now, granted, I kind of understand that more than like the Michigan tech white on yellow where you couldn't read anything at the beginning, because I get that it's not that common anymore for big 10 schools to be playing two different teams on a weekend. Like you don't do your Michigan and, or what is it? Minnesota and Wisconsin go to Michigan and Michigan state. Like you used to at right. Thanksgiving, like that. I can understand where somebody forgot to switch that graphic because usually it's the, the series is the same graphic, but it, it was just like mind boggling to me that, that, that the, the CCHA video feeds were actually better 
and I pay less for it than I had to pay to watch the Big Ten for two games. And yeah, I actually that's... ended up watching a third game on there uh, not too long ago while my month hadn't expired quite yet. But... Yes. See, with, with Jess's point, I could totally see how from an outsider it just feels like not really much has happened, but first because they're not the ones that are watching every single day the way we do and seeing all those things, but just the way that uh, the CCHA has handled broadcasting, communications, upgrading officials, making sure that they are mic'd up and letting you know what's going on on the call. It's been a, a big upgrade on our end. In terms of the hockey, it's it's probably about the same. I can see how that perspective would come in. But, yeah, it's definitely I, – I was at those – uh, GLI games so I didn't get it the, the pleasure as it sounds to watch the broadcast <laughs> but to me it's just I don't get all the Big Ten isn't embarrassed about that like this is a this is a uh, conference you know it's a super conference that includes you know football basketball the other major sports but they they literally have a a high production show about food around the campuses of the Big Ten <laughs> And they they'll they'll do something goofy like bring in like a like a football star to go bring to go eat somewhere around Ann Arbor or something like that. But how do you have that and not a reliable hockey stream with graphics that make sense and making sure you have the team correct and all that? Like it just kind of feels bare minimum for a team with that kind of buying for a league for a conference. Excuse me, geez, all the words I'm going through, but for a conference with that kind of buying power. You want? Do you want to get me started on the Big Ten? Is that what you want to do? Wow! I would absolutely <laughs> oh, love it. My. How, how, and how much? And how many? Ten. How many people have you blocked or muted asking you what channel it's on tonight? Oh my goodness! I don't know. If you... But I understand that confusion because I tried to watch the Badgers in Michigan this weekend, and I pulled up the Big Ten app, and they weren't on there. And I'm like, now I got to figure out where they are. And I was like, oh, they're actually on Big Ten the network this time, not the app. I, I, I brought this up on Twitter, and this is not Big Ten specific or CCHA specific or anything. This is this is college hockey in general. How many fans of whatever team do you have who talk about how great their team is and how brilliant their institution is? And I have a degree from this school, and it's the finest school. In I laughed at this exact tweet yeah. a couple days and, ago. And, <laughs> you know, talking up what a great education they got and, you know, uh, the academics at my school are, are above par. Oh, and by the way, I don't know how to find a streaming service. <laughs> what, what channel is the game on? It's like, how can you not figure this out, people? Yeah. And yeah. you guys specifically, oh. that, that was, you were on peacock this weekend right yeah the go the gophers were on peacock yeah so the gophers and, were on peacock and at least half the metro has comcast for internet if they choose to have cable internet and with comcast internet you get peacock for free so you don't even have to pay you just have to tell them <laughs> you want it and you get it for free like i was laughing at like all of it i'm like i know that not the whole metro has comcast as their cable provider but it was still priceless to me the number of people complaining about Peacock. And it was like, first off, Peacock's like $6 a month. That's way better than a, a tech fan having to go in and drop 15 bucks a month for Big Ten to watch you yep. play whoever. Um, and I like I, I can't honestly imagine being a Big Ten fan. And sometimes it's on BTN Plus, sometimes it's on BTN, and sometimes it's on Peacock because of Notre Dame, right? I assume that's why. Right. Yep. Uh, so that's a little Notre more Dame, fun. 
Notre Dame has the NBC sports deal. Yeah. And, you know, uh, two months ago, back when NBC sports network still existed, the games probably would have been broadcast there. Well, NBC sports network went away. So uh, now they were, they were on a streaming service. Um, yeah. Sometimes they're on big 10. Network. Sometimes they're on Valley sports North. If you, if you live in the twin cities, uh, you can get that. Um, it's not what it was. Okay. No, it's not 10 years ago. They, they're not going to be at, at seven o'clock every Friday, seven o'clock every Saturday. And they're not going to be on FSN with Frank Mazzocco and Doug Woog have at the call. It's just, that's those days are gone. Okay. <laughs> Let's get over that. Doug, Doug Woog is sadly no longer with us. Um, you know, it, it, things have changed. So yep. come on, people figure this out. <laughs> it's not that tough. Now to the bigger issue uh, about big 10 hockey. Um, I will make the same point. It's not going away. Okay. The big 10, big 10 is here to stay. You're I missed the old WCHA. Get over it. It's gone. It's like the Sopranos. It's over. Find a new show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, With that said, I would like to see, and I think this needs to happen. The big 10 has to put more resources into hockey. Um, I, I am disappointed. And, and I know the people who are behind Big Ten Hockey. I know the people at the league offers. They're good people. I get along great with them. I'm not trying to bash any individuals. I just don't think they're being given the resources they need to do what is expected of the college hockey fan, what is expected of the college hockey media, and what is expected of college hockey teams for the seven teams that are in their conference. You know, could be eight, could be nine, could be ten. Someday we'll see. Um, for example, they don't, they have a Twitter feed that they essentially don't use, you know, they don't promote their games via social media that where other leagues do a fantastic job of promoting their product. The big 10 doesn't do that. And, and, you know, to, to your point, they have a show about, uh, where to get the best deli sandwich in Ann Arbor, you know, okay, cool. How about a show about who your best hockey players are? Exactly. Why, Why don't we see more of that? The other thing I'll say is, um, the Big Ten website is embarrassing as far as like the standings are wrong, not, half the time. not accurately <laughs> updated almost ever. Yeah. You know, to the point where it used to be on Saturday morning, I would do a screenshot of the Big Ten standings and I would tweet them out and people were like, well, that's not right. And I've given up now. I'm not using that as my resource because you got to get this stuff right, guys. I mean, you got to put more resources. I went to the Frozen Four in St. Louis. I went to two of them here in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. St. Paul, I guess I should say. Don't need to get yelled at by anybody in in the Twin Cities for saying it had anything to do with Minneapolis when it was St. Paul. Um, (laughs) But uh, I was was trying to go to the one in Columbus because I was living in Southeast Ohio at the time. But I was a poor, poor post- student life as a i was in americorps and i had no money to get there um and i like because it was all wcha i know i could have gone for like 20 bucks or free (laughs) but i still couldn't get there and i i didn't have the money to like stay in a hotel and it's like a two-hour drive from where i was living and uh, like looking back i should have just done it but uh because you know what's another couple hundred bucks on my credit card and from whatever year that was it would have been fine but like 2005 2005 yeah that sounds right yeah i uh you know it's funny because i get asked a lot having been to 28 of these you know where was the best where was the worst columbus did a nice job it's a good city the one downfall of columbus was they played it at uh ohio state's rink instead of the nhl one instead of the nhl rink and and people pointed out 
you know, in 1990, whatever, when Columbus bid on the event, the Blue Jackets hadn't been awarded yet. They hadn't built that downtown arena. So in retrospect, if they go back to Columbus, we kind of hope they play downtown because that's where more of kind of the bar and restaurant culture is and all of that. Um, so, so that's a good spot for it. I mean, Boston always does a good job. And Boston is one of those communities that just kind of reeks hockey. You know, it's, it's part of the culture there. And then the flip side of that, Tampa does an outstanding job hosting the Frozen Four. And, you know, the first time we went to Tampa, a lot of people were like, well, why would you go to Florida for a hockey tournament? And now that it's been there twice, everybody's like, when are we going back? I mean, they do <laughs> they do a really nice job. It's a great setup. It's a good arena with a lot of hotels, restaurants, bars right around, right in proximity to it. And, you know, the weather's going to be 75 and sunny in, in April or, you know, early April. Um, the one I've pushed for and they haven't bid on it yet. Well, two that I pushed for that they haven't actually bid on it. Nashville, I, I think I think they would do a fantastic job. But I've spoken to the folks at the arena in Nashville. They won't bid on it because they're too full with with other events right now. They host the SEC basketball tournament every year, and they said they can't ask the Predators to vacate for yet another week. So they just simply haven't put in a bid yet. When I think they would do a great job. The other one I would really like to see is down in Arizona. Um, there's kind of a growing hockey community there. You talk about a place where the weather is going to be perfect in early April. Uh, I think uh, I think Arizona would do a nice job with it in the Phoenix area as well. But, but we'll have to see if if that comes to pass. Only there's a very large building that's going to be available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd, I'd go back to Glendale. Uh, I had fun of, in Glendale. A lot for of things the, to fill in the, Glendale. The desert hockey classic yeah, or whatever yeah. that was. Yeah, but I mean, it's, so you, you've been to Glendale. You've got an arena. You've got shopping, restaurants, hotels all right around it. Um, I just think it would be a, a perfect setting for an event like the Frozen Four. Yeah. Well, and I mean, now you can't, you can't look at Vegas and not think that'd be a great place to have the frozen four too. And they're, uh, and they're, and they're going to have the frozen four there in, uh, I think it's in four years. Okay. They, they've actually won. So the, so the upcoming ones are Boston and I, I don't know the exact order here, so don't, don't hold me to this, but Boston this year for sure. And then, uh, St. Louis is getting one. St. Paul is getting one. Tampa is getting one and Vegas is getting one. So Detroit didn't get put back on the schedule? Detroit did not get put back on the schedule. Now, I've heard two stories here. Uh, I've heard it's a travesty that Detroit didn't get one, and I agree. I would love to see one at, at Little Caesars Arena, as I said. I also heard that even before the pandemic happened, they were having a lot of trouble selling tickets for the 2020 Frozen Four in Detroit. And I will say the Detroit Sports Commission was everywhere that winter showing off the trophy and, and you know, trying to promote that tournament and offering the media trips to, to promote Detroit. So I, I get the feeling that tickets were not a great seller there. And when it got canceled, I have also heard that they actually didn't bid on it again because they were they were so worried about it uh, being an underattended event. I hope that's not the case, but uh, yeah. but I'll just be an irresponsible journalist and throw out rumors that I've heard. <laughs> well, I would I would go back. So I guess we can let you go unless you want to. Ha- Was there anything else you guys wanted to ask him? Other, I mean, he can, he's welcome to hang around while we preview Northern on Tuesday, which nobody will hear this before then, except for our like five video patrons. But <laughs> we get to play lovely midweek games since Northern can't deal with diseases in a good way. You, surprise, you mentioned surprise. you mentioned Dave Ellis. He will be there. He was uh, he was leaving Houghton, heading for Marquette today. Yep, I believe. Yep, so. they'll be on they'll be on TV <clears throat> six tomorrow, right? And then they're on Fox UP next Tuesday, I think it is. Dave, Dave Ellis, by the way, I got to give a quick shout out. Uh, I was in Lansing a couple of weeks ago when the uh, when the Gophers played Michigan State, 
And I fly on, on the team plane, but I make it a point that that's kind of my only interaction with the team. I, you know, I, I, I don't want anyone to think that I work for the Gophers. I'm just a, a guy who covers them and, and happen to, to, to ride along with them. So as soon as the plane lands, I'll, I'll, I'll hop off and grab my bag and I'll go get an Uber. I, I'm not on the team bus or anything like that. Well, Dave Ellis was nice enough to say, let me know when your plane lands, I'll, I'll come pick you up. So I, I walk out front of the Lansing airport. It's not a huge airport. And here's Dave Ellis with a sign, like, like, you know, like a limo driver. <laughs> and, and instead of my name, it says mayor of Warroad. <laughs> nice. He's a funny guy. We've yeah, had him good, on here good, at least once. Good times. Good, good dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a Uber. He's a Keweenaw guy and, you know, yep. lives, yeah, lives, lives downstate now, but. Yeah. His mom was my English teacher in uh, in sixth grade or something like that, nice. doing distance learning. Yep. So <laughs> good stuff. Yep. Yeah. She always had the argument about what's the actual harbor. Is it Eagle Harbor where they they have a, a house, or is it uh, Copper Harbor, which everybody else that has a brain thinks is the real harbor of the two? <laughs> I've uh, I've been to the Hut Inn to have a pasty before, so I, I, sure, I've, I've done sure. my time in the Keweenaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, we always have a bunch of them. I think we're down to like three left in the freezer downstairs. So oh boy, <laughs> they, they're always here to from a few oh, places yeah. to Let's be. Let's get one out of the freezer for out, tomorrow. That sounds notice. delicious. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Jess. That this is a great chat. Um, yeah. Thanks for for joining fun, us on short notice. Fun catching up and and uh, check out the rinklive.com for all of our coverage of the the teams here in Minnesota and in North Dakota and elsewhere. So. Oh. I uh, appreciate talking to you guys, and hey, best of luck with the with the hated Wildcats this week. Yeah, well, yeah, we get to. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to I finally get to play them. Pretty hard about your guys's your the little segment uh, that was on Twitter today from Matt uh, <laughs> Matt giving Tech credit for what Tech does oh. well and what Northern doesn't. Oh yeah, boy! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw you. I saw your look when when he brought up us. Uh, uh, hacking the vote for the for the Hobie Baker, and I could just tell that you were like, I can't believe you're accusing them of that. And we're like, no, it's a badge of no, honor. Yeah, yeah, we did it. We did it. We totally did it. And then we realized it doesn't matter, so we don't do it anymore because that vote means nothing. Like and everybody, like, everybody releases like the the like all these team guys are nominated. Go vote, and I'm like, why? It doesn't. Our vote doesn't mean anything. Like. <laughs> for people who don't know you can check this out we were on instagram live we do this every monday at noon central time where we just kind of catch up on the weekend's games but M matt wellens who covers the the bulldogs for the duluth news tribune and for the rink live is on there today he's he's a northern michigan grad so he yep. launched into this rant about how you know northern michigan grads use their laptops to illegally download backstreet boys songs and you know michigan tech grads <laughs> use their laptops to rig the hobie vote <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which was, we did for, for uh i believe it was for michael e Teslak was the first one <laughs> i believe that was the, i think the that's one that got like, i think tanner yeah. carroll was the other one though yeah because i think whatever it was they had a system where um you got to vote 10 times or whatever and the first time you had to do some code thing and somebody dug into the code thing and realized that if you just sent this script, it would just vote forever. So he like emailed the script to everybody on the misfits list. So we all just voted like, as long as you had the script running, it voted like every second. And that's all it yeah. did. It just vote. And you just had the script running in the background. It was like back in college when you were like running that SETI program to help them find planets and stuff, you just had this program running and it just vote all day. And then, like, they fixed it. And then, like, you know, so many years later, when Kara was up for it, 
we found some other weakness and we started voting for him. And then, and then you find out like they officially released like what the fan vote meant. And we were like, well, this is a waste like one, of time. Like, like 1% or something like that. Yeah. yeah. We basically, yeah, all the fans count as like one vote. We have this defenseman. He played seven games for Michigan Tech this year. Somehow he won the Hobie. We don't yeah. know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It might only count hey, for like hey, one tenth of one hey, percent, but it only happened in the NHL it. All-Star game. Okay, Jess? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. John Scott. To be fair, great... that wasn't just our fan base voting nope, for that. Nope, I mean, nope. I'm sure we had a decent amount of it, but <laughs> John, John Scott's a great human being. God bless him. <laughs> yes. No, that was that was a blast. And we yeah. That was so much fun getting to see that, honestly. Um but yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll definitely check out the rink live. I I I know Tech Hockey Guide. I think retweeted that little video you guys posted today, and we'll get that out there to our fans because it was a funny video to me for sure. And and to your friend Bethlehem, by the way, I I will never question her. Anybody who had the hutzpah to actually get married on the ice at McKinnis Student Ice Arena, you know that's <laughs> that's taking phantom to a whole new level. So, God yeah. God God bless you and David and 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 your eternal fandom. And you, know, you were smart enough to marry a UMD guy too, just, <laughs> just like my wife did. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, Jess. Thank you, Jess. All right. I wanted to take a moment to touch touch on one thing. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from our patrons. You can become one at patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. I'm going to try and reach out to Joe Sean here and see if we can get him on maybe the Tuesday after the second Northern game to have one. Since he'll, you know, he'll be used to being busy on Tuesday night. So maybe we can get him get him on the get him to do one of our Zoom chats here in season um, for for our uh, white uh, patrons at the white level, which is two dollars a month. Uh, we'll see if that happens uh, with our addition of instat services to tech hockey's guides repertoire. We have a new feature starting soon for those at the white level also. Uh, so every Monday, is that right, Matt? Is that the plan? Yeah. I think the content schedule we're trying to get with is uh, getting something in on Mondays. I think that Zach's going to be planning on looking on things pretty much all Sunday and then putting it out on Monday, I think is yeah. What we're so, currently either, looking at. so either we're going to be publishing on Wednesday, Monday or publishing on Tuesday. I'm hoping to pub. I'm hoping to at least have it out to us so that we can talk about it on the podcast, but it is going to be uh patron only content for now. That's at least how we're looking at it. it the instat article. And then we'll have Jonathan Zamatis. will have access to that stuff to talk, to put some of it in his column if it fits and whatnot, but we're only asking for $2 a month to get that to help pay for the service since we're talking about, I think, 500 bucks a year for us to have it. We've already gotten some donations for it. We've already talked about some additional advertising that'll help us uh, pay for that. But for right now, we're trying to get some more patron buy-in at the $2 level and then hoping you'll see the value of the $5 level and just go there anyway. But we're trying to get more patrons to to support us and see the value of it. So at the white level, you're going to get the instat breakdowns on the Patreon site. And then since we started the podcast, uh, we've done extended versions of the podcast for our patrons at the black level or above, which is $5 a month. And then the gold level is $10 a month and you get access to everything I mentioned, plus the zoom video of the podcast before it goes out to the rest. So usually we record on a Monday that means usually sometime on Tuesday, I am putting that up on YouTube with a private link that you'll get via Patreon. And then I'm hoping to order some more patches here shortly 
I don't know how long Exclusive Pro is going to take to make those, but we're going to kind of, I think part of it now is we're going to see what these new white jerseys look like. And if we want to order the Husky script shoulder patch for the patch that we can give out to everybody here going forward, we might buy a bunch of those. We'll have to see how much Exclusive Pro wants for them. Uh, and then we're going to try something new this year. If you leave us a five-star rating, uh, Dustin will read the review if he shows up next time, which worked out fine. So if you leave a review on a five-star rating, we'll read the review and see what you guys have to say. So all we really got to do here is talk about the Northern game on Tuesday this week and Tuesday next week. We might as well kind of preview the whole mega sweep sandwich here with Northern back-to-back Tuesdays, right? Yeah. It is back-to-back. And then St. Thomas this weekend here in Mendota Heights. I'll be at both those games. So will my daughter in her glittery gold Husky script T-shirt that my uh, ex-wife is actually going to be nice enough to make for her here this week. She has one already, but that one hasn't fit her in like two years. So we're getting a bigger one. (laughs) So Michigan Tech's finally getting the chance to wrap up their series with Northern here playing what is tomorrow, which will be two days before most of you hear this, if not more. Um, uh, What do you guys think about the split series with Northern here sandwiched around the St. Thomas weekend? I'm glad they're able to get it in, uh, you know, and it it fits in a way, right? I'm glad we're doing it against a team that's our closest travel team, like I've said before it would suck if this was, you know, a game that actually required a decent amount of travel to make up. Cause I don't know how easily you can actually do it. Right. right. So it's fortunate that it's Northern. That's our one cancellation for the year that had to be done. So that's good to see. And if I'm being honest, I, I like the fact that it's St. Thomas that's smushed in between. It should be in theory, one of the, the, the easier games, even though no game is easy, right. They got to be played, but, yeah. uh, I, I like where it's where it's happening at. Yeah. So my biggest hope is we see the team that played against Bemidji this week. <laughs> I mean, if they play like that and can keep that level of level of compete to use you know a Joe term right uh, up uh, this this coming week, I think we see some good stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow, and I like having hockey in the middle of the week as much as I rip on the Big Ten for forcing the guys to do it. Uh, it is kind of nice to have a hockey game on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mind it. I'm looking forward to watching it tomorrow. Go ahead, right. Matt. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to piggyback on what Rob said a little bit. I, 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 I don't see a reason to call this as anything other than a mega sweep. I like having <laughs> the midweek game. I, I think they take all four games in this series. Um. As much as I like to talk about the emotional side of hockey and how much that can make a difference, especially in the rivalry games about like against Northern, um, I think having it split up like this kind of takes away from it, and you're, we're not as able to like dwell on emotions or try to settle scores the second night or anything like that. To me, I just kind of feel like it's gonna it's gonna read like it's just any other day. We got to go in take care of business. So I think. I get um, what you're saying. And I think yes. being Tuesday night kind of takes away from it, even without the break. Like even the first game yes, is going to have less to it because it's a Tuesday. It just is. It's a Tuesday. It's it, it feels weird for the fans to be there. It'll be interesting to see how many students will actually be able to go up. I'm sure because it's Northern, it'll still be a pretty decent showing. 
I'm hoping for more so than Bemidji because, you know, I get it. Bemidji isn't one of our bigger rivals, but as somebody that just eats up the lore of hockey, it was just not very fun for me to see like a half empty arena when it's a battle to see who takes sole possession of number two. Yeah. One minute remaining in the podcast. That should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Uh, we're also straight up taking donations for our uh, instat costs. We have already gotten one. Thank you very much to Andy Bordeaux for chipping in to help us with that. I appreciate you, Andy. Yeah. If you'd like to do that, you can just reach out to me at tbraun at techhockeyguide.com to get my uh, uh, Venmo or pay, PayPal, which are both, I think, uh, well, my Venmo is TJ Braun at. Well, I said it the wrong way just to make it easier on you guys by pronunciation phonetically uh, for Venmo. And then the PayPal's the, the Tech Hockey Guide email. Uh, so if you want to donate to help out with that, just let us know and, and we can help that way or you guys can help that way. Uh, patrons at the white level above get access to our Zoom chats as well as the Instat uh, analytical articles that are coming soon. Uh Patrons that are black level or above receive access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the gold level or above receive access to the unfiltered YouTube video of the podcast each week. Follow us on Twitter at Chasing Mac Pod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also to our patrons out there, the only way that you are guaranteed to get your question asked is to actually post the question to my call for questions on Patreon. Because I'm not going to, like, I know some of you are patrons by name, but I don't know all of you. So if you reply on Facebook or Twitter, I'm not necessarily, or on Discord, I'm not necessarily going to know that you're a patron and make sure it gets asked. So if you want it asked for sure, make sure you get it on the Patreon page. Uh, if you find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. Uh, the more you rate review and share, the more people we can reach to so tell your friends. We did, we, we made it up into the top 250 of all hockey podcasts for a little bit here in the last month, but we dipped back out. I looked earlier today and I literally found, I think three college hockey podcasts that made the list. Some Sue podcast which they're still called sue something or other even though they're not and they haven't been for a long time matt wellen's podcast uh the, the bulldog insider and then uh the uscho live i think we're the only ones i saw on there and yet somehow at some point we ranked all the way up at 12 i don't get that did you know that guys mm. we were the 12th ranked hockey podcast in north america or in in the u.s at one point in time that's interesting I don't think we deserved it. I have I have a feeling it had something to do with me accidentally unpublishing a bunch of podcasts and then republishing them. And that like stretch somehow counted all those plays as if they had happened like that week mm. or something weird. It could be. Let's see. We're going to try something else this year. If you give us a five-star rating, Dustin will read the review. You leave no matter what it says. So let's get some ratings and reviews and see what you guys have to say. Uh, once again, thank you to our sponsor, Fibke Dental of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. And as always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our new introduction and our patron, St. Doc McResin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. And we made it under two hours. Thank God. 
You've been listening to the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA.